It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solody. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Check out our merch store, onthefinside.threadless.com. Here we are, NFL Draft Week, talking about one of the Dolphins' most important positions and biggest needs heading into the NFL Draft. That's the outside linebacker slash defensive end slash edge slash whatever you want to call it type of spot. So, it's obvious that the Dolphins need one of these or maybe two or three of these after losing in the offseason Cameron Wake, Robert Quinn, Andre Branch. In fact, the need's so big that Charles Harris right now is the lone starter at that outside linebacker edge spot. So we'll take a look at a, at a few guys here. And, you know, the big name, Paul, that we need to talk about very quickly is Brian Burns. Brian Burns at 13, he was someone in our mock draft that we you can find on YouTube or any of those sites that I mentioned. We had him both as the 13th overall pick. I've soured on him a little bit after watching a little bit more of his tape. Yeah, for me, I, I know I've said this in a few of our episodes now, I still think that this draft is so deep at pass rusher, so deep at defensive tackle, that you can grab impact starters in the third, fourth, and fifth round, uh, even a couple of sleepers late. And you can use the early picks, really, unless somebody absolutely outrageously falls or has a gas mask incident, to, to beef up the offensive line, to beef up a few other positions that maybe aren't as deep, and come out of this draft with, a number of starters, which Chris Greer does seem to have a propensity to do. So, yeah, I'd rather skip Brian Burns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> to, to that point. A funny story is uh, Brian Burns, I, I mentioned that on Twitter, and I believe his brother tweeted back to me and said something along the lines of, well, good thing you're not a scout. If it wasn't Brian Burns' brother – then if you look at his profile, it says it says brother of the best uh, young pass rusher or Florida State pass rusher or something like that. So I'd have to assume it's Brian Burns and everything on his page is Brian Burns. So I would imagine that. But then again, sorry, Brian Burns' brother, whoever you are, uh, you're biased. So I'm going to stick with my opinion on that. And the reason I say that with Burns, hey, I think he is a very boomer bust type of player. But when I look at some of these guys who have failed in the past, I mean, these run around the offensive tackle guys, Deion Jordan was one of them, that as a player, if you don't win to the outside consistently, Vic Beasley's had this problem too with the Falcons other than one year, then it's going to cause a problem. And Montez Sweat, falls under that same category. He's 6'6", 260, and ran a 4'4", which has moved him up draft boards. This guy could really go anywhere because of those physical tools. He's got long arms. He can disrupt a lot of plays, but not overwhelming production at Mississippi State. He was good. I mean, he had about 21 sacks over the last two years, but wasn't consistently dominant. And he doesn't win a lot to the inside. So, but the biggest thing with yeah. him is his heart condition. There's there's a lot of talk going around that some teams are uneasy about it. It doesn't appear to be as bad as Maurice Hurst's last year when it 
dropped him to the fifth round. I still accept, expect uh, Sweat to go somewhere in the first round, but if I were betting, but it's quite possible he could end up falling out of that first round altogether as well. So a few so, other cat, I, I just want to chime in real quick on sweat. Cause one of the things that I know I've said a few things about this throughout the draft process that I see with sweat, I see him being a lot like Robert Quinn where he's a one trick pony. That's just fast as hell. And if you've got an offensive tackle that can just push him past the quarterback, you know, he's going to run right past him all day long and just open up the offense for the other team. He's going to get his sack numbers periodically, but they're going to come in little fits and bursts. And outside of that, he's not going to do anything. And that's where I don't want Miami to go after him. I like defensive ends that can set the edge. They may, it may not be their forte, but at least can when you'd like them to. Cam Wake, while he was a true pass rusher, was able to set the edge when he needed to. And and that's a huge thing for me. And that's something that I didn't see from Robert Quinn. So, and I know a lot of our longtime listeners have heard me say that a lot. And I don't see with Montez Sweat. So for me, it's a hard pass. Yeah, I, I mean, Burns, I think, could be a 15-sack guy. I think he could be out of the league in three years. And as for the Dolphins, I, I don't want them taking a player like that, even though I was impressed with how he looked in linebacker drills. But I, I don't see him being able to sink his hips and explode and consistently make open field tackles, which is what you have to do if you're going to have that type of linebacker value in addition to being a D end. Montez Sweat, yes, I mean, I love his ability to use his long arms and disrupt things, but I also see the Dolphins passing on him at 13, even though they did also bring him back for a visit. Cleveland Farrell is a name that, you know, again, I think he should have come out last year probably would have been a top 10 pick. Um, he went back this year and had a good year. He had 11 and a half sacks, 20 tackles for loss. So very good on a very good Clemson team. But he looks to me to be a pure 4-3 defensive end. I don't see that positional versatility with linebacker or D-tackle with him either. And I don't think this is the right type of scheme for him. You know, it may not be, and it might be. I mean, Cleveland Farrell's a guy that he does, I thought, set a good edge. He fights beautifully through his blocks, uh, makes great reads on the play, has good containment, and, and really has a high motor. So he may be a situational player a little bit. I don't see him dropping back very often per se, but I do think Flores and Patrick Graham are creative enough that with a talented player like Farrell, I think they could find a role for him in this defense. Right now on my Dolphins board that I'll be – Putting on Twitter here this week, it's probably going to be out by the time that this is posted. I'll have I'll have Farrell somewhere in the late 20s, early 30s on my overall Dolphins board that includes every player. So, yeah, I I do have Chase Winovich ahead of him just barely. I think he's can bring that hair on fire, get to the quarterback uh, positional value there. At, not only as a pass rusher, but he also ran a four five nine. At the combine, I, and he looked a lot better in drills than I thought he would have. Might have just enough to be that three-four outside linebacker. Paul, I know you've taken a look at Win at Winovich, and you also like uh, a defensive end from Louisiana Tech, Jalen Ferguson, who set the NCAA record with 45 sacks. I do, and and I'll talk about Chase first because I, I really did like what I saw out of him. I mean. He's just nasty and quick when he's out there. He's got a really high motor. He seems to be full speed all the time, but still manages to make great reads 
while playing at full speed so he doesn't lose the ball because he gets himself under control and just seems to always make the right read, which is something you don't usually say of players that play at a balls-out speed like you do with Winovich. So that was really good to see, and he's always on. Like, there's never a time where he is off. I mean, even if he gets a little shut out at times, you see him fighting tooth and nail every play, and I know that's something you're, you're, you guys have heard from me a lot this offseason, but that's something I want. I'm tired of half-ass guys. I'm tired of guys that take plays off. I don't want that. I don't like that. Now, Jalen Ferguson, on the other hand, he just is an amazing player to watch. He just screams Brian Flores for me. He's a movable chess piece on that defense, somebody that you can do a lot of things with. He can get to the quarterback, but he can also drop back and and at least provide you with some form of coverage, which we haven't seen out of all of our our linebackers the past couple years. It's been a little scary at times. So I, I really like the idea and the positional flexibility that he brings and, and what I think Flores and Graham would do with him. Yeah, and I'm, you know, we talked about this. I'm not high on Jalen Ferguson, so that'll be a good barometer of uh, how we're looking at this draft class here. I mean, the production, I don't deny. I mean, 17 and a half sacks, 26 tackles for loss. Those are stupid numbers from last year. And over the, his career, he has 45 sacks. But I think that, I think it's 803 three cone drill to me really jumped out on film his his lack of change of direction I don't know if he's going to be able to get those I mean it's going to be hard to get those same sack totals regardless but I don't think that he's going to be able to get around those offensive tackles a lot in the NFL and I don't know if know if he has the power to be able to justify that and I have my concerns about him having any positional flexibility. I think he's strictly a a 4-3 defensive end type of guy, and I'm not sure if he's going to be a very explosive one. Second round, I wouldn't do. Third round would be really pushing it. You start getting into day three with Jalen Ferguson, a player who could really go anywhere based on his production and his measurables, then I'd be more willing to take a chance on him there in day three. Uh, But Paul – a player we haven't talked about yet who could be talked about as a defensive tackle, a defensive end, maybe even a linebacker is Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. This really seems to be one of the real enigmas of this NFL draft, just as he was at Michigan. I mean, he goes to the combine, he's six, four and a half, 277 pounds, runs a four, five, eight looks incredible athletically. And he did at Michigan too, but it didn't show up a lot. I mean, just three and a half sacks, and six tackles for loss this past year at Michigan. But Chris Sims is somebody that's been one of the few people to bang on the table for him as a top 10 pick. He said he is a guy, while Chase Winovich is producing during the play, teams are scheming to get away from Rashawn Gary. So we'll see about that. But the Dolphins spent extensive amount of time with Rashawn Gary. He fits the versatility profile they're looking for. They do have a need as a, at a three, four defensive end. And something tells me, I've just got a funny feeling that Rashawn Gary may be someone the Dolphins take a look at there at 13. See, for me, it's been a little too public, this love affair that they've had with Rashawn Gary throughout the process. And every year we, we tend to get suckered in. And I say, we, as the fans um, by the dolphins spending time whining and dining very publicly, making sure the cameras are around to see it. 
with with a couple of draft prospects that they never seem to chase after. Chris Greer tends to be a guy that you know does does the sleight of hand with his draft picks, and you know if, if he's interested in you, nobody knows it. And so I I have a funny feeling that the true love that Greer has if they stand pat at 13, which I don't I still don't think they do, is probably somebody that we've talked about but hasn't been publicly wined and dined by them, which is where I think they're they're kind of out on Rashawn Gary. I think Steve Ross loves him, so they wind and dined him where people could see. Yeah, and because he's that Michigan connection, hopefully Steve Ross doesn't walk in the draft room and demand that he's the pick. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he will, but I, I never know with that guy if he's talking football decisions. Um, <laughs> right now I've got Rashawn Gary 11th on my Dolphins draft board, actually behind Jerry Tillery and a couple of spots ahead of Jer- Jeffrey Simmons and Christian Wilkins. So I see the upside of that, and I think the Dolphins and Brian Flores would be a good – place to bring him in and pair him with Vincent Taylor and Davin Gotcha, who are more pluggers on that defensive line. Gary can bring that upside. But overall, still, if Rashawn Gary's there at 13, I'm hoping the Dolphins are going to move off that spot. Very few players would want me to not trade down from that spot, Paul, and I know that you're the same way on that. Um, addition to that, we, uh, in our previous segment, looking at the defensive tackles, we looked at a few other guys and talked about L.J. Collier, Charles Amenahu, and Anthony Nelson. These guys look more like three-tech, three-four defensive ends. So while they are technically edge players, I, you know they fit in a lot of different categories. But long story short, Amenahu, we both love him. Collier, I I like him a lot, and I think Paul does too. Anthony Nelson is a player that in, in the middle rounds, if he's there, I think could be a very good rotational guy too. Uh, a few guys that I, I don't think I'm very high on. Uh, O'Shane Zimenez was projected to be a first-round pick by Mel Kuyper a couple of months ago from Old Dominion. He went to the Senior Bowl. He went to the Combine, was overwhelmed. I think you're going to see him more in that fourth or fifth-round area now. Even then, I would be a little bit leery. DeAndre Walker hasn't been able to work out really this offseason because of an injury, but is a very good pass-rushing athlete that packs some power. Not sure about his ability to drop back against the pass and uh, Joe Jackson the, from the University of Miami this is one of the pl- these players that I've thought of as an underachiever for so long now that we're a few days away from the draft I start looking at him thinking eh, maybe he's not that bad maybe he's starting to look a little bit underrated to me from that spot and he, he's very thin but it, it's it's hard to, with how he packs it he can pack a lot of smoothness, smoothness there on that 6'4", 275-pound frame. So, Paul, we've continued to go through a lot of names here with with Rashawn Gary and Christian Wilkins and, and all these guys from defensive end to defensive tackle. Does anything else stand out to you at this position? No, I just think it's another one that's insanely deep. I mean, we both have some late-round guys that, that we really love, some mid-round guys. And again, it just screams to me that they need to fill the offensive line early because that's got the quickest drop off as far as the positions go. Um, and unless somebody ridiculously falls again, it's, you know, trade back, build up a few picks. You can, you can build the offensive line and then come back to the pass rusher, rusher position 
come back to the defensive tackle position and still find some studs, which I'm a huge fan of. As am I. And that will do it for our breakdown of the edge defenders and defensive ends in this 2019 NFL draft class. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.